0: What's up, everyone? Light the Fight podcast. That is what you are listening to. I'm David.
1: And I'm Heidi Swap.
0: And I'm in a good mood today, Heidi. How about you?
1: I'm in a good mood. I
0: I noticed that when you came in, you had your high pro glow, your little Heidi. You know what? It's kind of offensive now that I think about it because that was a dog food commercial. (laughs) No, I take it back. But hopefully you got the point. I'm good with it. I'm good with
1: it. I worked in my yard today.
0: Well, the sun's out.
1: It's awesome. It was awesome. Her yeah. golden
0: locks were in the yard. Yeah. working in the yard,
1: good. picked up all the you know a bunch of winter dog poo. Mm. You know that is the worst job. That is the worst if you're not. <laughs> we shouldn't even talk about this, but honestly, like the winter, it it doesn't get picked up. <laughs> anyway, so I did a lot whoa, of whoa, whoa. That. it. Was Speak awesome.
0: for yourself. At my house, I'm the duty man,
1: well, and the okay.
0: duty man can. In my house, that's what I say. <laughs> I used to not pick up dog poo throughout the winters,
2: but You've got I, don't know big what, dogs. I don't
0: know what's gotten into me these past few years, but even my wife was like, wow, I've trained you well. <laughs> I can pick up dog poo like nobody's business. Like that could be something I could teach a workshop on. I'm efficient. I'm fast. Well, maybe I need I to miss a step.
1: Maybe I need you to talk to my kids about it then. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are kids though. So,
1: <laughs>
0: point being, no, is, it wasn't
1: the first time, but I just felt so good. It does feel it good. Feels good to get it all to get it clean up. And you a know, small and start. dog.
0: See, me if I if I go that long, I mean, we're like back up the truck. <laughs> I got some big dogs, so it's gonna be a little while before you get done picking up that dog poo. So, anyways, I don't think you guys came here to listen to <laughs> our dog poo stories. And and little did you know, that's one of my claims of fame. I'm the dude man, really good at picking now up dog know. poo, and I was great at helping my wife. Do with diapers. Well, okay, blowout nice. diapers. No problem. Oh, I'm, I'm fast. <laughs> I get the, di- the bags, the wet wipes, I'm on it. So.
1: You kind of seem like a clean freak, too. Are you a clean freak?
0: I'm not a clean freak. I'm just not as lazy as I used to be about cleaning.
1: <laughs> well, that's good. I've
0: improved enough. in that category.
1: <laughs> well, welcome back, everybody. Um, We've got a couple things, a couple good things to talk about really quick. Let's just Let's just get the the business out of the way.
0: Let's get out there. We've been telling you guys the past few weeks, about a month now, about our workshop, very little, and usually at the (laughs) end of our podcast. And just today in our meeting, we realized, hey, we really haven't done much to tell people about the workshop. In our defense, we've been pretty busy. So we want to let you know about the workshop now. And so a little deal that we're going to be running from now until Sunday, correct? Yep. So tell them about that, Heidi.
1: So this... This is our Parenting Influencer Workshop, the 19.0 version. Um, this will be the fourth time that we've presented this workshop. It's happening on April 5th and 6th. And it's a full day on Friday, a half a day on Saturday. So it's it's like a day and a half workshop on Friday. Um, we provide kind of a continental breakfast. We provide lunch. Cafe Rio. We, cafe, we provide lots of sh- like caffeine and snacks to swag like
0: t-shirts buttons don't freak out bracelets don't stab the balls bracelets coming soon
1: (laughs) (laughs) super fun um and so it's three hundred dollars per person for the workshop um and if you come with somebody if you come in twos you get a hundred dollar price break so five hundred dollars for two people um and from now until Sunday, and I, shoot, I don't know the date that would will be Sunday. Oh, March 31st. Boom. Um, we are offering $50 off. So that would be $50 off an individual or $50 off a couple. And if you'd like to get $50 off of your registration fee, then you'll type in the code WORKSHOP50 in all caps. So just make a note of that workshop 50 and you can go to lightthefight.com to register. You can just click the work, the workshops. It will take you right to, that's the only workshop we're actually um, registering for right now. It's at Noah's in South Jordan. And um, so this is a great time to take advantage of that. And um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of the business information that we want to get out. Now, if you're listening to this podcast and and it's well past the time, um, check out the website because we're trying to always have a workshop coming up. Um so
0: and our Instagram, we're doing a little
1: Yep. On the on the Instagram right now. Yeah. Um, currently, and and right now as we're recording, it's like March twenty-fifth or twenty <laughs> I don't know what the date is today. It's March of You're looking at the wrong person. I'm like, uh... <laughs> And, um, so we have actually a giveaway and we are giving away, w- we're, we're, we'll be choosing one winner from Instagram and that winner will be able to choose to bring a guest. So make sure that you enter. We're asking people to tell us what their favorite episode is, um, in the comments because I, you know, I love hearing, I love hearing what people are learning. I got to tell you a funny story that happened this week. Um. Well, it's not super funny. I had to go to Instacare <laughs> because um, I had not been caring. Mm. We've talked about this before. Yeah, it's hard
0: to work on self-care when you forget to care about when yourself. When you don't <laughs> care, and then you have to go to Instacare yeah.
1: <laughs> and, and pay um, them to care. I had gotten to the point where I was I was in big trouble. I had a sinus infection. I suspected I had a sinus infection. I was kind of taking a whole bunch of. I was doing a whole bunch of self medication with various prescriptions old. (laughs) You guys don't do that. You're not supposed to. I got a big lecture from the doctor. Anyway, um, I walked in and as I walked into Instacare is actually on the phone and, you know, so I'm trying to wrap up my phone call as I walked in and the lady looks up and she looks at me and she goes, I listened to your podcast. (laughs) And she said, I recognize your voice. So that was kind of, that was kind of funny. Um, so shout out to the lady that works at Instacare. Um, they took good care of me and it it's just kind of is happens a couple of times that people hear my voice or overhear my voice and, and then put two and two together with the podcast. So
0: someone said that to me once and it was, it was really cool and flattering, but I was at the doctor's office and I was super sick like you. <laughs> this was three weeks ago. I was like, you recognize my voice. Make <laughs> sure you weren't listening to cold case murder <laughs> mystery podcast. Right. right they sounded more like, you know, I was a serial killer than I was, you know. So I had counselor. another
1: funny experience where somebody said to me, I was at a restaurant and we saw David with his family and we wanted to talk to him, but we also wanted to, like, let him have his family time. So was it was sweet. like they were having, like, a celebrity sighting and not sweet. wanting to bother you.
0: Well, I tell you what... Um, celebrity i don't know about that (laughs) a sighting it is it is nice and it's kind of flattering but it's this whole podcasting thing is it's it's interesting because this is all you know until we start doing the video it's just all audio and so it's cool to know that i remember like first time i saw some people that i was big fans of their radio show i felt the exact same way very similar as you're hearing their voice such a comfortable common thing they make you laugh you have all these different emotions and then when you see them in public, I got a little nervous. And so I totally know how, how it feels. So it's it's cool. Don't don't be nervous to come up and, and say hi, you know, if I'm with my family, or whatever, I I got a great family, you know. Just say hi, hey, what's up, whatever. So yeah. yeah. it's all good. I
1: had another encounter with the listener. I gotta tell you just one more. Because this is a s I don't stab the balls situation. Mm. You have a lot
0: I more really, encounters with listeners than I do though, that's I really sure.
1: appreciate when when listeners are um they're confessing their own don't stab the balls moments, which I have a lot of appreciation for. They, anyway. I have a
0: lot of people confess their don't stab the ball moments to me. <laughs> so,
1: Well, i just start writing them down. So when I'm having a bad day, you can text me. But um, so I, I actually spoke at an event um, up in northern Utah, kind of up by Logan, um, Utah this weekend. And I got up there and and this group of women who invited me to come all listeners of the podcast. And they were, they were kind of talking about that and we were talking about episodes and things that they've learned. And, um, and one of the women said, you know, Oh, I have, I could totally relate to you on the don't stab the balls. And, you know, then I'm like, whenever anybody says, Oh, I listen to the podcast. I kind of have this moment where I'm like, and you, I'm sorry you know i'm like what and what have you heard (laughs) like what do you know about me (laughs) um but so what she so she gave me permission actually to share this her don't stab the the ball moment so she she did confirm she she clarified that she was pregnant at the time
2: Mm.
1: which i do think heightens your don't stabbing the ball (laughs) or lowers your threshold of staying calm (laughs)
0: Okay, I've never been pregnant, had a baby, but I was with a woman while she was two it's, times.
1: It's it, Everything is pretty elevated. It heightened
0: things. Like I was allowed to come inside the house if I <laughs> ate a certain meal and my breath remotely smelled like it. Yes, yes. I couldn't even bring the meal in, let alone I'd like go use fluoride toothpaste and <laughs> mouthwash before I'd come in the house. So.
1: so she was telling me that one of her children and another kid, neighborhood kid, were um, they were at a park and she was actually with her husband working on a project at the park it sounded like maybe there was a community project and people were working on something at the park i don't know who was there but whatever whatever happened she was working on something and her kid and another kid were over in the playground area fighting over a happy meal toy And just carrying on and carrying on, and she told him to stop. And you know, obviously she can't do much because you've got somebody else's kid, and and there's only and it was her child's Happy Meal toy. So she said that she picked up a hammer and just walked over to the kids, took the Happy Meal toy away, and just smashed the crap out of the Happy Meal toy right in front of the kids, and then walked away.
0: <laughs> That's a mic drop moment. A... <laughs> That's a definite mic drop moment.
1: So she, I, you know, she wasn't freaking out. She just, you know, took what care year of business. This? So this, I mean, it sounds to me like she's now has adult children. So this probably okay. could this be is like... pre
0: cell phone, video cameras. She's good because <laughs> right. I would we would have seen this one. You don't just do that in a public park. By the way, thank you for letting us share the story. But you don't just do that nowadays <laughs> in public park and nobody records that. People got their phones ready, oh, swipe man. left, yeah, get that, that camera on, record that. Yeah, that would have been no bueno.
1: So I can relate, though. You know, you want to just take away the toy. You want to put it out of commission. Remove the problem. Right? <laughs> yeah, that
0: Happy Meal wasn't too happy after that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, so just so that you guys know, you listeners, we sure appreciate you. We appreciate your feedback. We appreciate those who attended um, the Harriman High Don't Freak Out event. It was a fantastic evening um, and really a great vulnerable audience. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, the community in itself, we spoke in Draper's not too far away, but at that high school, in that community, everything that they've been through in you know, the past over a year now, in the past, I'd say, year and a half, you know, if and if you didn't know this, but um, you know, unfortunately, they've been very well publicized for in this past school year, not this year, but the year before, because they had you know seven different suicides um, throughout that you know that calendar year, and so anytime that happens, you know, there's going to be a lot of questions, definitely a lot of grief, a lot of hurt, a lot of people second guessing themselves, should have done this better, a lot of blame at times. And so to be there, to be able to speak in front of those people and that community and, and have the principal and the vice principal, you know, big shout out to uh, uh, Kornberg and to Um I was going to make sure I get Julie's name, last name right, just for allowing us to come out there, because our message is not a suicide prevention message. Our message is how to don't freak out so you can have connections and relationships with your kids so that when they do struggle with anything definitely specifically suicide, or suicidal thoughts and feelings, you can be that first line of defense. You can have a relationship with them that is not only just going to help them to want to follow through with their chores and do their homework and all those things, but that's going to help them feel like you're a trusted adult, that they can talk to you about what matters the most. And sometimes that may not even be for your own kid. A couple people had questions of, how do I help my child that's dealing or trying to help a friend who's struggling and suicidal? And so just being that trusted adult um, is going to be a great opportunity for you to have conversations with your kid, to learn about what they got going on. But how you get there is you got to not freak out. Well, and so, you know, we've talked so much about, you know, what our Don't Freak Out event is. And, and you know, I, I don't think it, like we need to repeat everything that we talked about. But I did just want to state that, like Heidi was saying, thank you so much to the, the school the the community members, the, the partners that made it possible for us to come out there, the sponsors of the event. Um, because at the end of the day, if we are people that our kids and our loved ones feel are not going to freak out when things get really difficult and tough, then we can be trusted with information that can help them and can help us come up with just better solutions and better ideas.
1: Well, can, can I <clears> – <throat> would it be okay if I kind of share um... – a conversation, a couple conversations, I find myself explaining how Don't Freak Out kind of contributes to, ultimately, a suicide prevention um, movement. Um, and, and this actually comes from you, Dave. This is what I've learned. <clears throat> a lot of times when we think about suicide prevention, we're kind of talking about when, when something's happening or happened, when maybe there has been attempt, when people are talking about it, or or when emotions are high and and it's threat level, you know, ten or or whatever. Call it, it's already stage four. Stage four, and so yeah. that's where I was going. Is suicide prevention. At stage four, and so like David has explained to me, and I and I find myself explaining to others that like it, at stage four cancer, let's compare it to stage four cancer where um, death is very it's on the table, right? It it, it definitely on the table. It, it's a, it's a maybe doesn't have to be a terminal situation, but it it's certainly um, at a mortal risk, right? And that's where a lot of suicide prevention um, kind of focuses. And just like cancer, um, we hear this a lot, like early detection. um, Go in for those that test that will detect, you know, get your mammogram so that they can detect something way before it's become, you know, That mortal risk. And so, what is stage one or stage two of suicide prevention? And it's kind of like all of us, myself included, when we say the word suicide, we immediately go to that stage four crisis moment. But And this is what I think that light the fight to me. What light the fight is? I didn't think this is what it was going to be when we started. But what light the fight is, is stage one and stage two. Build prevention, suicide prevention, emotional support. It's
0: like pre-prevention.
1: Right. (laughs) Right. And I like that you said that. It's it's before you even let it get to that point. And so the don't freak out. Message is kind of down there in, and and you know some of the questions that come up that people share there are stage four, stage three, you know, height really heightened situations. um But you know, one of the things that I like to bring up is that when we when we have little kids, and this is one of the things that I talk about at, at the event. We have little kids and let's say you're driving in the car and you hand them back a smoothie and you hit a bump and that smoothie is all over them, all over the back seat, and and you know, and and at that point you freak out and you get mad and lose your temper and um and that just kind of starts establishing this this relationship between you and your kid that if, if they do something wrong, you're gonna freak out. That's what they trust. They trust you're going to freak out. And, um, so don't freak out comes in at establishing, changing that dialogue of, you know, just because something has gone wrong doesn't mean I have to freak out. There's alternatives. And, and then we start talking about some of the tools that, um, that we talk about here on the podcast. So anyway, that's kind of a roundabout way, but, um, I think that it's really necessary that we give solutions that can be put into place in our lives, in our families, in our homes, in our relationships at work and any encounters that we have that that are stage one, stage two, you know, keeping people safe and establishing relationships that will keep people safe. So I don't know if that, hopefully that makes sense. Hope is not a strategy. I hope that. (laughs) (laughs) We need to video
0: record this so people can see you looking up in the air, looking for those little light bulbs, those ding, 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 ding. (laughs) (coughs) No, well, you said it very well, Heidi. And and one thing that we wanted to do, and we promised everybody that came to the event, is that we wanted to field and answer some of your questions. Um, We were able to answer a handful of questions at night. Um, Unfortunately, we had pages of questions that came through our text line while we are talking. And as promised, we wanted to answer those questions. And as a little segue and before answering this question, um, Heidi and I were talking before the podcast and I wanted to give you a little bit of a a little mindset recalibration before we answer these questions. Just something to bear in mind. I'm not going to go in the deep detail of it because I talked about this at the event and I share, I think I've shared this before on the podcast, but just a simple little basic thing that I know is a light bulb moment for you, Heidi, but it helps people if you take this into consideration It'll make it a lot easier to understand why our, our slogan, don't freak out, is so important to establishing some, some very, very fundamental connections to help diffuse any difficult situation. So it comes what I'm about to say comes off of um, some brain study research. And basically what this research says from UCLA is that the average human brain takes up 60%. Of your physical energy, so imagine like the brain is the engine, and it burns more fuel than any one major part in the vehicle. Well, your body's the vehicle. That's shocking to me. Like yeah. just that,
1: <laughs> just that, that factoid alone.
0: Yeah. yeah, it's uh, and you know, if anyone wants to look it up, it's from Dr. Matthew Lieberman at uh, UCLA Social Sciences Lab. Um, but anyways. So what they discuss about is through these studies that they've been doing through these uh, FMRI study scans, machines, they're able to determine that on an average day, natural, just normal human being uses just 60% of their physical energy just to run that engine, just run that machine. And it just really shows how powerful of a machine our brains are, how important it is and how much it's really, how long it's taken for human beings to even get a small grasp of what the human brain does. So now imagine that, you know, you're uh, having a stressful day. Maybe it's extraordinarily stressful day. Maybe you're going through some traumatic times. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe you just went through a bad breakup, difficult final, whatever it may be. Those days are going to take a whole lot more than just 60% of your physical energy. Unfortunately for us, we do not have that ability to plug in and recharge ourselves like a cell phone or to go to a gas station fuel up with with more energy
1: the other thing is that there's no like there's no dial on on our bodies showing the outside world that hey my battery is super low
0: man if we had the same indicators or cell phones that can tell us where our percentage is at it it would it would it'd be huge wait well Um, because
1: if if you're Not listening to me, or if you're not responding to me, and I can look at your battery life and be like, "Oh, you're at five percent. All right, go just just go to bed. We'll talk tomorrow." I just thought,
0: you know how much money I'd make. I could sell it to all my clients' parents. Like you could watch your kids' energy go down. But now I think about it, not a lot of parents would want to see that. (laughs) (laughs) Teenagers would save their money. It's like I want you to see how much in that conversation you asked me five questions in a row. My energy just went down. (laughs) Point is, is if we had that visual, it'd be a lot easier, but we don't have that visual. So not just do we are not just are we not able to see the energy being exhausted and zapped from our kids at a long, stressful day at school, a test day to do a conversation that with us, our kids and our family members, loved ones, they can't see how much energy we're operating off of. They don't see, you know, your kids don't come home and see, oh, mom's in the red. Better play it cool today. They better just see, ask her what's for dinner. Yeah. Better not <laughs> ask her what's for dinner. And they can't see that. We can't see theirs. So it makes it really problematic. So taking the mindset of when we give you these answers for these questions, because we're I'm, we're just going to start spitting off some answers to questions, some rapid fire questions. I want you to realize that if you are exhausting too much thought process, too much energy, trying to figure out why your kids are doing what they're doing, why your loved ones are not respecting you, not understanding you, whatever it is. Maybe it's really good to entertain certain thoughts to try to figure out solutions. But if you stay in that place for too long, you're going to start burning too much fuel, too much energy. And now you may not have the energy you need to achieve the other tasks throughout the day. I know a lot of you parents listening, that task could be taking care of your, your little kids, making sure that you're sitting with them patiently while they're learning how to do their alphabets or basic addition of subtraction. If you're exhausting all your energy in long drawn out conversations with your teenager, and then you have to turn around and sit down with, you know, a hyperactive or an energetic young kid, you may not be on your a game. You may get frustrated. You may make them feel like, you know, you're frustrated because they're not learning it quickly. All these different types of things are coming from, we're running in the red. We've exhausted our energy too much. So listen to our responses Everything about the Don't Freak Out event is taking this in a, in, into consideration. Be mindful of where your energy's at and just be realistic. If you've had a really tough day, then you're going to have to find some very specific words to describe that you don't have the energy, the wherewithal, the ability to handle certain situations ideally or the way you'd want them to. Sometimes just communicating that to people and say, hey, can we talk about this later? Can we talk about it after dinner, in the morning? Sometimes as parents, we feel the need that we have to correct this now. We have to change this now. And that can be a totally unrealistic expectation. So modeling that for your kids, that you got to handle situations when you have the energy to handle it. And if you're not doing good with your own personal energy because you're not sleeping well, you're not eating well, that's a whole nother issue. But the fact of the matter is, You don't have to be a doctor or scientist to know that if you eat like crap, you sleep like crap, and you don't do any physical exercise, you're going to feel like crap, okay? So if if you're erring in those parts of your life, the self-care or the, um, you know, not being able to get your needs met, find ways to address those because if not, you're going to go into conversations with your own kids having totally unrealistic expectations of what you can handle with the energy that you actually have, okay? So let's get into some uh, some questions. Okay, you agree with that?
1: So I'm going to share. So that was just
0: my little PSA announcement, real quick. Well,
1: you. and and I like it a lot because I think that, um, I think that it's important, um, that that you factor that in as a parent. And if you know that you're running on empty, that you maybe let other people in in your world no yeah <laughs> so that so that you can all everybody can establish their expectations okay um so like we said these questions have come in they're all anonymous and they came in through a text line and we really appreciate you trusting us with these questions it's insightful for us and and we we appreciate
0: Hopefully you don't mind we sharing your social security number at the same time. <laughs> Just kidding.
1: Luckily, we don't know any information. We yes. Don't, we don't even know who they came from. Um, okay. How do I not freak out when I get a call from the school saying my son is involved in something that is very clearly against our rules and that would be harmful to himself and others? I want to freak out and confront him. Help.
0: Well, I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast, but I'm going to give you part two to not freaking out. So first step, don't freak out. And this is going to answer a question, how do you not freak out? Second step, play it cool. And so that really is the answer for her. If you are freaking out because you found out your kids, let's just use vaping. You know, that's a pretty popular one. It goes against what she wants in the family. It goes against what they've taught their kids. The parents don't vape, smoke, whatever it may be. So she's saying, how do you not freak out? Well, I'm not saying you don't freak out. You just can't freak out in front of your kid. And when you show up or your kid gets home, you have to make sure that you are a person who's not being overly reactive what happened. Doesn't mean you have to be happy with it. Don't take this to extreme. Just have to be able to stand there and look at them, and say, hey, listen. Got the phone call from the school. I'll just be straight up with you. I don't know the details. I would love to hear your side of the story. By the way, that's a really good a really good uh, um, approach to take. Telling them you want to hear their side of the story because they're going to be itching to tell you their side of the story about how they were just holding it for someone else. Wink, wink. I've heard that a couple thousand times. It wasn't my vape. I was just holding it for a friend. So Why maybe... so
1: many people need... Other people mm. to hold their vapes is, is unclear. Y- yes,
0: exactly. <laughs> I could give a couple of other examples, but I won't because they're mildly inappropriate. Point is, there are um, different ways to approach that. And the, one of the best ways that I found is that tell your kid, hey, listen, I'm sure you have a side story. I really want to hear your side of the story. If you're maxed out and you've had a difficult day and you don't want to freak out, then tell them, say, listen, let's deal with this tomorrow. Let's deal with this after dinner. We don't have to deal with it right now. <laughs> Um, I want to hear your side of the story, but this isn't a good time for me right now. Or if it is a good time for you, you let them know. Say, "Hey, listen, I don't know if this is a good time for you. I'd be more than happy to hear your side of the story and kind of hear about it right now. I really want to know what happened, or we could do it later." Now, if your kid chooses later, then you just have to lock down a time. Okay, so, you know, after dinner, breakfast tomorrow, whatever it may be, whatever they say yes to, say, "Okay, well then after dinner, I'm going to come and And we'll talk about it then. Then you have to walk away. You can't discuss anymore. But if they do want to talk about it right then, give them the moment to share their whole entire story. This is a very important tip. Do not sit there like, you know, with skeptical hippo eyes going,
2: "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
0: really. So your friend just said to hold it for you and you're (laughs) holding it and you're having that really like you're under investigation type look. I want you to pretend to be naive and uninformed and act like it doesn't go against your whole entire belief system and that you're not freaking out that your kid's going to ruin their life and go to prison someday because they vaped right now. (laughs) This is where you have to play it cool. People that play it cool are not a threat. See, here's the thing is if they got caught at school, they're going to get in trouble regardless whether they feel that you're personally mad at them or not. So you just take the approach of I didn't freak out. I'm telling you, let's talk about it later. We can talk about it now. And then when you go to talk about it, say, listen, I'm going to admit, I'm not happy that I got this phone call, but I want to hear your side of the story and you play it cool. If they get to share their side of the story, regardless, it's not even about whether you believe them or not. It's about if they feel like they're being heard and given a chance to express themselves without you interjecting, that you telling them it's right, it's wrong. Even if you hear some of those ridiculous stuff, don't sit here and go, you expect me to believe that? Here's the thing, you're not the judge, you're not the police officer, you're their parent. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not, but it's going to make it a whole hell of a lot more difficult if you make them feel like they're the problem and that it's personal and now everything that they've ever done in their life that is good is under question. Because that's what teenagers tell me all the time. My parent freaked out at me and now like, they probably don't believe I'm doing this. They probably don't believe, they probably think I'm lying about everything in my life. You may not mean to do that, but parents, sometimes you can do that. So that would be my suggestion in that c- circumstance. So.
1: All right. I think that's a good um, suggestion. Okay. There's, there's so many good questions. I'm going to. You talk about how important it is for teens to have connection. What can I do to help my 15-year-old make new friends connections? She has almost no friends. I've tried everything I can think of.
0: We've talked about this in other questions. Got to be creative. Your, Your daughter's most likely, I think, did she say teen daughter?
1: She said 15.
0: Okay. Most likely, if it's coming from you, if she's 15, those days are going to be numbered where you're going to have a big influence on her. Like, you're going to find something that inspires her. I'm not saying don't say anything to help her out. Get creative. Find different people in different ways that can be of influence her. I always say go to YouTube. Find videos on YouTube, girls around her age that are trying to figure out different ways to connect with people. Watch those videos. Find those videos. If you want to be a really sneaky parent, have the cool aunt or whoever it may be, send that video to your daughter. I I have people ask me all the time, hey, listen, my kid really looks up to you a lot. They really like you. By any chance, would you mind... Give them a little a girl or a boy or, you know, something like that. Sure. I love to give people some cool, hey, I'm reaching out to you. Those little things can be of great influence, specifically if it's something they can watch or learn on their own time. But if she's coming to you and you're giving her suggestions, she's shooting everyone down. Well, then that shows she's in that place where she's really down on herself and doesn't feel like whatever she does is going to be successful. That's why you got to get creative, get other people involved in the mix. Find YouTube videos. Find little different types of things. Either send it to yourself or have someone else send it to her.
1: I just want to share one experience, and and my son. This this is a story. This is about Connor, who's younger, and I do get to have a little bit more influence, and I can call other moms, and I can, you know whatever. Um, but there was a new place that had opened right by us. It was a virtual reality place, and I was in a pl- I was in a time when I needed to help him get some different friends to have have some connection with and so i said hey i called this person i called this person and i'm going to take you guys to this vr place and he was like okay and and didn't really know what to expect and um i dropped the kids off i sent them in there with a groupon code and then i left and they kind of had to figure it out and um I think they actually benefited from not having me there and having to, like, figure it out together. And they kind of had to go back and forth because the Groupon code was wrong. And, you know, they had to figure it out with the manager. And I think it kind of bonded them. Um, And they wound up having a great time. And even just that one shared experience, real life experience, kind of created um, more opportunities. And so I think that a little bit of nudge from mom isn't, isn't a bad idea and a little bit of encouragement um to just get them to and and again there there will be pushback and there will be resistance but that that little encourages to get them to to take one step out into the darkness um to, you know and what, i think that's within the realm of yeah and of what a, you're saying
0: what you're saying is just another example of being creative yeah and you're using a different um age you know cuz your son's younger that's what I'm saying. What I said was just one example yeah. of that. Heidi's giving you another example. You know, it's, it's that time of our life where we have to accept that our influence over our kids is not going to be as powerful and as impactful as we'd like to. So we got to set them up, get other people involved and, you know, let them figure it out. Let them work it out on their own. Sometimes there are going to be some wins. Sometimes there are going to be fails. But to think that you have to hold their hand and walk them through every single one of those steps it's actually unrealistic because then they just get better at coming to you for things.
1: It was a couple of episodes ago, and oh, I can't remember which one it is. And maybe Brandon can tell me after I give my heads up. But it was the one that we talked about really finding out what your kids are interested in. Um f- getting on their level. And that might help you help her find more connection when you stop like trying to get them into the things you think they should want to be involved in and figure out what they're actually interested in. Like, you know, I've got a, I've got a friend who really just always put her daughter in dance. All of her daughters danced. Dancing was her thing. Everybody danced. And then she found out that one of her daughters wanted to play volleyball. And she's like, I don't know how to be a volleyball mom. But it changed the game for this daughter when she got to be in volleyball because she felt like she sucked as a dancer and she actually thrived as, as a volleyball player. And so I think... To this mom, maybe spend some time listening and finding out really what her interests are um, and play off those. Anyway, just a couple. I don't know if you remember what podcast that was. It was. Yeah, that's in the last probably three episodes. That doesn't give you very much. But someday we're going to have this awesome catalog. (laughs) Okay, next question. What do you do when your child needs counseling, but he refuses to speak to his counselor? All he'll say is, "I don't know," and "I don't want to talk." We are on our fifth counselor.
0: Yeah, first off, it's not something that anyone wants to do. Keep on trying new counselors; that, that can be really painstaking. Let's and exhausting. just start at the beginning, and let's tell our whole story over and over again. Um, you know, it's that's a difficult one because I I don't know what the counselor is talking about. I don't. I mean. It could be a very good counselor, your kid could be resistant, but maybe your counselor doesn't isn't just really skilled at getting the kid, you know, your child to open up. Or maybe the counselor's just not a good fit for your kid and, you know, it doesn't feel like you want to try something new. As far as counseling goes and getting your child to open up, it might be helpful to try again, be creative. Maybe suggest your teenager say, Listen, maybe I'm the one that needs to go to some more counseling. Maybe I could benefit from talking to your counsel more and and maybe I could find different ways to talk to you and help out our relationship and help out things that you wouldn't have to see the counselor as often. Some counselors are better at talking with parents about how to deal with their kids than talking to kids about how to deal with their parents or about (laughs) life in general. I'm, I'm serious.
1: Well, and that's what this life, like the fight is all about. It's about parents can, you can control ourselves, but we can't control our kids. And so- yeah,
0: I mean, I it took me a while to figure out all the different tools and skills that I needed to be uh, a decent, well-rounded therapist and counselor. It took years. Some people just don't have enough reps. They don't see enough kids. Other people, they're better at helping the parents, not the kids. So, you know, get creative. Try something different. And when it comes down to your kid, how, how did, she, did she say the age in that? No. Didn't say the age in? Mm-hmm. You know, I... I always caution people, be careful with bribing because it could be expected, but or I should say and sometimes a good bribe can be a if strategically placed can be a really good jump start. And if you listen to our last episode about the jump start using video games and using those different types of things, you might want to wave a carrot in front of your kids' face, say, listen, I know you don't especially love going to counseling. I know it's not something You want to do whatever. But it means so much to me that you're willing to go that, you know, if you start opening up and talking more and and trying to give this a little bit more of an effort, I'm willing to give more of an effort some things that you've been asking me that you want to do. So instead of getting manipulated by your kid, you're going to them saying, hey, I'm open for negotiation. This means a lot to me. Sometimes just seeing that someone respects what you want and you can't, in this case, the parent, I wouldn't suggest and the parent doesn't sound like they're going to say, Okay, you cannot go to counseling. We can negotiate that. No, it's like, right, you double down on counseling and really put more effort in that. And I'm going to double down and be more understanding or maybe give you a little bit more freedom in a certain area, even with something ridiculous as playing 30 minutes more video games. Some people would argue, well, that's ridiculous. It's going to fry your kid's brain. Well, having a lot of personal issues, not talking about them, that could do a number on you too. So pick your poison. Like which one are are you really now again, these are creative ideas i'm not I don't know this person I don't right. know specifically I'm just trying to help people think outside the box
1: well and i want i want to share something. I was talking with um a young person who is in this situation doesn't- want, like the parent wants him to go to therapy and he's going, and he doesn't like it, and he said. I just feel like she keeps telling me all the things that are wrong with me, all the things I'm doing wrong, pointing out all the things that are wrong. And I just feel like I'm, you know, I'm bad and I'm wrong and I'm bad at this and I'm bad at that. And, um, you know, that's probably just, that's probably that individual's perception of, of what's happening. But I think that setting, you know, if, if someone thinks they're being sent to the counselor to get fixed, that's not a, that's not a great feeling and I think that that's a common perception that's how and and in full disclosure that's how I felt when my son was struggling when Corey was struggling I was like drop him off at the counselor and I hope this guy can work his magic because I don't know what else to do right and so I think that maybe sharing with a kid you know I'm not trying to fix you I don't think you're broken but i think we got to figure out how to work together you know include yourself and this is something that i didn't do include yourself needing being part of the part of the, what needs help what needs um, adjusting so and and i think that's exactly what you're just saying no so.
0: great add on great advice hi hey.
1: um okay next question how do you provide consequences and discipline for a child who has depression for example, they have dis- difficulty getting up in the morning and going to school, and it's a daily struggle as a result of their depression.
0: Well, this question actually came up, and we answered a very similar question that was live in the event, and I'll say a similar thing that I said in the event. You don't want to dismiss someone having emotional um, distress and you know emotional problems and giving uh, just giving the assumption that this kid... Really does have depression. It's not like one of those things where they're just claiming to have depression to get out of responsibility. So, assuming that the this person's child really does have depression, you don't want to coddle because you know, like we talked about, you know, preparing preparing the the road for the child doesn't help them. You got to prepare the child for the road, right? So, instead of taking the approach that my child is depressed, they can't handle difficult news, they can't handle consequences. You're going to have to have more of a realistic expectation on how long it's going to take them to be able to handle heavier consequences by start off with smaller things that are not going to make them happy. So here's an example. They get in some sort of trouble at home, not doing their chores, homework, whatever it may be. Not major trouble, but trouble, it's like you have to acknowledge it. You give them the three strikes, you're out rule. Now, I didn't say the three strikes are out rule, but it's just a basic concept. The first time, say, listen, I get it. You're depressed. You're struggling. Assuming that they're giving that as a reason why they couldn't do their homework, you know, um, I'd be happy to sit down with you and help you. Let's say the kid says, oh, no, I'm good. I'm good. You know, just had You know, had a bad day. OK, right. Well, second time, you know, you're going to be in, you know, a little bit of responsibility situation where you might have to go without, you know, some extra video game play. Or you might have to turn in your homework a little bit earlier. But I don't want to do that. Just let you know that you're fine this time. I get it. But next time, there might be a little something. Second time, you know, I didn't mean it. I mean it. You know, I, I meant to turn in my homework. I meant to do my homework. I, I forgot at school. The teacher didn't give it to me. No, oh, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Tell you what. I know you don't want to do this. And I know this is frustrating for you because it's not something you meant to do. But just like we talked about before, the first time, nothing happened. The second time, let's just do this. You get to pick. You can go to bed a little bit earlier tonight. You can uh, turn your phone a little bit earlier. Maybe you can have, you know, 15, 20 minutes of video game, let's play, just decide which one you want and and let me know which one you want. Well, it's not fair. I shouldn't have to have anything. I, I know it's not fair. It's not fair that you have depression. It's not fair that you have to wake up that early and go to school. It's not fair. A lot of things. And I know that you really don't want to start this bad habit. So just pick which one you want. A okay, little timeout out here. You notice how I was saying you just keep on rolling. You keep on rolling. Most parents get themselves caught in a trap where they try to say, well, I don't like to pay bills either. I still got to go to work. And they start lecturing and they start comparing how it's not fair for them. You can't relate to a depressed teenager in today's world and try to see like, like what they're going through. So instead of trying to make sense of it, you just go with it. Because the reality of it is, is they can be depressed. They can feel like it's unfair and they can still improve a little bit. They don't have to be just dismissive of all homework and all responsibilities. Now, the third time, it's like, hey, you know what? You know, what? not mad at you. I get it. You're struggling, frustrated. I'm like, you know, we're just going to have to add a little bit more to that. So now it's going to be pick something again, but it may be 30 minutes longer. It may be, you know, go without your phone for a day. Well, I don't like this. Well, I mean, I could take away your phone you know, for the next week or month, but I don't think you'd like that either. I don't want to take away your phone. I'm just helping you so that you don't have to have one more thing that's going to you know, distract you from doing your homework. If they say it doesn't distract me from doing homework, yeah, I know it doesn't distract you from doing your homework according to you, but the way I see it is that it's not helping you do your homework the way you said it was. So let's just try it this way. Even if they debate back and forth, I'm depressed and this and that, If you do have a kid that goes all the way to the suicide spectrum, well, then you have to take that serious. And I know there's another question coming up that we're going to talk about that, so I'll answer that one there. But just staggering approach is what I call it. You want to stagger it. You want to layer it. Let's not try to go all the way to the top of the hill. Let's take it as if there's this long staircase and take one step at a time. Because if you're dealing with someone that has a mental, emotional, uh, you know, difficulty like depression, anxiety, It's really important to acknowledge that that is getting in the way of what they're trying to do, but it's also important to dismiss that that's who they are. Because if someone takes on the identity that that's who they are, now everything has to work around them because they can't deal with that. Unfortunately, that can cause a whole lot of problems in their perception of what they're actually capable of and what they're not capable of. So it's a little bit of a tightrope walk at first, but you just want to keep on nudging them along giving a little bit of an uncomfortable feeling to if they're not doing their part. Now, if it gets really bad and they get suicidal, I mean, this is for that first moderation, how to give consequences, how to actually do some disciplining. You allow them to be a part of it. You stagger the discipline, let them pick it for a little while. And if that doesn't work, say, hey, listen, I've given these opportunities chances. I think I'm going to pick it this time or next time it happens. I'll give you one more get out jail free card where you're not, you know, having that much of punishment. But next time, I think I'm gonna to need to to pick it. So try harder this week. But if it doesn't work, I think I'm gonna pick the the consequence that you need to have or the thing you're gonna go
1: without. I just want to add number one, we have an episode and we just talked about it last week. Um, it's called the Jump Start, and it's something worth worth talking about. And I think that it falls in line with what you're just saying. Um, and then the second thing I just want to chime in on is and and David said this says this all the time, and so. It, if you haven't listened to um, the Kryptonite to Depression, which is one of our very earliest episodes, um, and David says this all the time so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go ahead and say it for you. David says all the time the kryptonite to depression is connection And sometimes that de- that depressed, struggling individual that doesn't want to wake up in the morning. She needs to get it out. Needs to talk. Needs to connect. So I think this is also a time to actually check your connection with your kid. Is it real? Is it working? Do you know what's going on? Are they opening up to you? Are you using statements?
0: And I'm glad you said that, Heidi, because taking this staggering approach allows little, like little feelings of "Oh, I don't like this" for the teenager, but it doesn't create this big upheaval in the relationship. Right. right. You want to be able to, like, just, hey, I'm giving you bits and pieces of real life. Like, I know this sucks. If you start saying, this is unfair, look at all the stuff I do for you, and, you know, this is the least you can do. If you dismiss the depression altogether, you're you're screwed. Like, it's not going to work. But if you look at the depression like it's some big, gigantic ogre that you're fearful of, you're like, we have to, like, submit to the depression or else it'll crush all of us. Well, then that's, that's an error, too. So doing the staggered part, Doing all the stuff that we just discussed, it really does allow room for the connection to still grow, even if there are some consequences that have to be added in during that time.
1: So I'm just going to throw this question in at the same time because I think that there's some similarities here. Should a teen that is struggling with depression and anxiety be held to a different standard than their siblings? For example, should they have to have as high of grades or keep their room clean or do chores around the house just like everyone else?
0: Well, a long time ago I talked about, um, so depression is really the identification and acknowledgement of something that's out of balance in our mental and emotional state. Just different characteristics of other things that are balanced, but depression is specific things that are out of balance. And the way I like to see it, or like the way I like to talk about it, it's identifying the problem. So if we talk about the problem as if we have to come up with better ways to avoid the problem, we may not actually go head up against the problem. So a better way to explain that is that depression is really a notification that there's many different facets that are happening and it's manifesting itself with depression. There's Far too many ways someone can become depressed that we could ever possibly state here on this podcast. Tons of things could lead someone to becoming depressed. So, if you have other kids and you have a child that has depression and anxiety, I always tell you don't want to have totally different rules. You just want to have different measures of what success looks like for each kid. So, the rule should be, or the expectation should be, hey, listen, I want all of our kids to do their homework. I want all of our kids to, um, you know, clean up their chores, this and that and the other. But the way you go about doing that and the way you go about setting that up could sound totally different. Like a timeline may be different for one kid to get their chores done versus another kid to get their chores done. If you do a one blanket statement for everyone, then yeah, the kid has depression. you be like, oh, this is unfair. I'm, I'm, I, I, there's no way I can do it in that timeline versus saying, hey, all right, for the first month, you have two hours to get it done. Then the second month, you have an hour and a half to get it done. Like anything, the more you do it, the faster and the better you should get at it. So it really removes depression as something you have to avoid versus something you have to be exposed to. Cognitive behavioral therapy, which is a very popular, probably the most researched therapy out there, believes in exposing someone to an environment that would be triggering or trouble uh, problematic for them in small bits and pieces to gain a greater strength and stamina for them to be able to manage and handle that. So in cognitive behavioral therapy, if you have a depressed person, we don't say, okay, let's protect them, put them in a bubble and avoid them ever experiencing things that could hurt their feelings. That's not the approach. The approach is right. What's going on? Identify how you got here, some basic information of what you can do to get out of there. And then now let's get back in the game. Mm -hmm. All the stuff I do with people in my counseling or coaching is just practice. It's just running practices. And then when they go home and they go to school, that's the game time. So the goal is not to avoid things that can make you be depressed. The, vo- the goal is to see how, what, like, what range of expectations you should have while you're going through the depression. But the goal should still be getting through depression. Just It may not be like, hey, getting your chores done at the same time that the other kids would have them get done.
1: So what do you think? You want to do one more question? Yeah, let's do one or, more. Where, okay. Yeah. Last question of the night um
0: yes i do dye my hair black <laughs> i'm just kidding someone asked me after that that hair one they go why do you say about your hair not having gray it's like you dye your hair black don't you and it was a client of mine i'm like no i don't and they did not believe me so i do dye my hair i mean i don't i can't get my story straight <laughs> i'm just kidding good i'm just trying to buy you some time okay, to find so the question I'm
1: not, well i'm not sure which question you said you said that you knew one was coming, and so I'm not sure which one that you were anticipating me talking about.
0: I was anticipating the the one about suicide.
1: Okay, is talking about suicide going to plant an idea? Yeah, yeah. Um, this I think is an important question, and um, so we we did I did read this one um at our event, and this is something that there's a lot of discussion about. A lot of conversation about, and a lot—I think—a lot of misunderstanding about, and and um. So, why don't you go ahead and show what you did? Uh,
0: have you guys ever heard that saying, "You are what you eat"?
1: Yes. Okay. And I'm a donut. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dunford, Dunford Donut was I... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, sorry. At least it's pretty, right? <laughs> Super cute. Um,
0: got some pink on it. I think the same can apply for you are what you think. Yes. So a basic little way to remember this, and if I repeat this before, I apologize, but it's worth repeating. And that is um, the thoughts you choose to entertain will determine your mood and your attitude. Then your mood and your attitude will generally determine your actions and your reactions at that particular time. It's a pretty simple step-by-step process. And so the fear of people saying, hey, if... If you're talking about suicide, if you're, you know, talking about a way that glorifies it, you know, could that make someone feel like that's an option to act out upon it? And, you know, copycats is what they've called it. And my answer to that is always like, well, yeah, of course it could. But that's talking about it in one specific way. There's lots of ways to talk about suicide. There's great ways to talk about it. There's not so great ways to talk about it. There's shameful ways to talk about it. I mean, if we want to get like really just like basic, I mean, when I'm dieting or going, I was going through this keto diet for a while, and when I'm doing that, and I'm starting the diet, you know, one of my friends talking about our favorite sushi restaurant, and you know, there's lots of non-keto-friendly things, lots of rice and stuff at this restaurant. And I'm sitting there starving, my brains sitting, Sushi, food, rice. I'm like them talking about it. I'm like, it's really hard for me to stay on the diet, okay? So I'm not I'm not even saying that's comparison to suicide I'm say this, this is just us as human beings. Someone introduces a thought. He was just talking about, like, oh, I can't wait to go eat there. I'm like sitting there grabbing the table, want to eat there. So when it comes to suicide, we just have to talk about it better. Not a, talking yeah, about it, I like
2: that.
0: Not talking about something doesn't get it to the surface and doesn't get it discussed. Talking about just throwing it out there all cavalier, it's like, You know, what do you think? I think it's all crazy. These kids are committing suicide. Like it's such a selfish act. Okay. You can say, hey, I talked about it, but you talked about it pretty crappy. Certain things. I think what we're trying to do with suicide prevention, we're trying to let people know that are a little too brash that consider talking about this with a little bit more carefulness, reverence, reverence. And, you know. Not because you're scared to offend someone's belief system. because you just don't know where someone's at. Suicide really isn't about a belief system. This isn't a political view. This isn't, um, I mean, you know, I'm talking about when someone's suicidal. This isn't a religious thing. Some people may say, oh, it's a, a selfish act or this and that, whatever. But find me a person that actually cares and loves someone, and that person tells them it's suicidal, that they would actually want them to die. No, nobody. Right, So it's careless ways of talking about it, which is the things that we need to improve. So one suggestion in you know, talking about suicide is bringing up to someone if you don't even understand it, but you'd like to understand it. The person who's ignorant to suicide doesn't mean that they're trying to hurt people's feelings. Ignorance, by definition, means not knowing. So if you don't know how to talk about it, simply state, hey, you know, I, I don't even know how to talk about this. If this is something that you're struggling with, or it's something that maybe a family member is struggling with, I would like to get better. You know, is there some information that I can learn about this? It's easy for people to dismiss things and just say, I understand this. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. Or people are ridiculous, stupid for having those feelings and thoughts. It takes a little bit of time and effort to actually get invested and learn more.
1: Because the, the truth is that that attitude towards suicide is is very broad and widespread. Yes. That. That's yeah. kind of...
0: Yeah. That's a big stigma. I, I think if we narrow it down, I mean, there's lots of stigmas that all good people are trying to stop when it comes to suicide. But if we talk about suicide and we know how to talk about it, it's less likely it's going to ruffle people's feathers, more likely it's going to have better conversation. So talking about suicide is something that you should not go out of your way to avoid because you feel like you don't know how to talk about it. I'd say educate yourself. Ask people, tell people that you don't want to say the wrong thing, but you're trying to understand especially people that have some sort of experience, and then listen.
1: You know, I really love that you just said that because to be completely honest, it scares the crap out of us. I've never met anybody that felt comfortable talking about suicide. I don't feel comfortable talking about suicide. It continues to scare the crap out of me. And I love what you just said because just in the last, I would say, even six weeks, I have allowed myself to listen to some very concise, clear, educational podcasts about suicide. This is like having specialists, psychiatrists, psychologists, and People that specialize in the field, um, and have done research about suicide, and ha- they have been on podcasts, they've done TED talks, or they've they've spoken about suicide. And for me, I didn't even want to. I didn't want to listen. I was scared. That, that you guys all know that I experienced a lot of resistance. I I was afraid of what I was going to hear and there was a there was a couple of of podcasts and I could even I could even share those in in some way maybe even on um on our instagram that outlined suicide in a really clear way that helped me number one it gave me a vocabulary number two it it was just very clarifying from a psychological standpoint and it gave me like Okay. I, it like it, it helped me look at it. And I don't want to say from a from a safe place, but it gave me clarity. And so then there wasn't just all this fear of I don't know how to handle this and I don't know what this means and I don't want to talk about it because if you're going to talk about it, you're going to do it. And I, you were just know.
0: looking at it from a, tra- a traumatized mother who lost her son. You're looking at it from many different people's experiences of working with it
1: and 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 so i I love that you said that learn about it this the second thing i want to add and we've talked about this on the podcast multiple times um that i have another child who has who has shared suicidal feelings and thoughts with me and it scared it scared the crap out of me and i panicked I freaked out. And I said, you know what? We don't talk about that. Let's not talk like that. You know, and and I was so afraid of the conversation. And slowly after talking to David, and and we had episodes, we've we've talked about this openly on the podcast. I realized that he needed to share the feelings that he was having. And so I just I have learned that occasionally he has those thoughts and feelings and he needs to talk about them and that my job is to listen and then to reassure him that I love him and that he is, you know, and maybe kind of follow up with just some reassurance and encouragement, but sometimes people need to talk about it so so that it doesn't fester or so that it doesn't um, eat away at, at them and, and um, like what we were talking about, that it takes a bunch of emotional energy to manage those kinds of thoughts. And so. Um...
2: Well,
0: let's also say the obvious thing is if you're out there listening and this is making you feel anything about, you know, oh, my gosh, like, that sounds great. But how do I do it? I'm scared. That's OK. We get it. Yeah. It's totally normal for you not to be nervous about how to talk about this. Would That would be weird. But for you to be nervous how to talk about this, educate yourself a little bit, acknowledge that you're not sure how to talk about it. Sometimes just stating that you might have a blind spot and you don't want to screw this up. I'm uncomfortable. Oh man, it just opens up like the the red carpet of, hey, I just want to be understanding and I want to be you know inclusive to whatever you're thinking and feeling versus excluding your thoughts and feelings and dismissing them. So that's the best way to start by stating you want to know more. You want to have these conversations. You may not know how to have the conversations. You're nervous to have them. You're scared. Wow, that's a great way to open up a conversation with someone who may be nervous and scared about the conversation going bad as well.
1: But one person recently, and and her name's Jane Clayson, and she just wrote a book, and it's a book about depression, and and she deals with suicide. But she says, if we could normalize the conversation of suicide, then that would start to reduce the stigma of talking about it. So that, which helps. Anyway.
0: And to talk about it better.
1: Talk about it better. <laughs> I love that because you're absolutely yeah. right. Okay. So I think that that's, that's all we have time for. I was trying to think of like a game show host name that I could.
0: <laughs> Bob. It's all we <laughs> have time for, Bob.
1: <laughs> um, so, but we almost got through one page.
0: We did. Well, we're going to have plenty more questions to answer in our upcoming episodes. Um, and as Heidi said before, we got our parent workshop coming up April 5th and 6th. Use the code up until Sunday. Repeat the code: Workshop50. 50. Workshop50, 50, all caps.
1: And that is on our website at lifethefight.com.
0: Okay. And we're also doing a, a giveaway for some tickets as well. And what do they have to do to enter into that giveaway, Heidi?
1: You've got to go to our Instagram account. And we would love you to tag fellow Freaker Outers so they also know about the giveaway um, and share your, like an episode that's been impactful to you. Um, the last thing that I just want to talk about, I want to share as we um, end tonight is, you know, one of, the, one of the things that happened at the event was that we kind of asked Quincy, my daughter who was there, you know, what was something that your parents freak out about? specifically your mom and and um and then another I was grateful because there was another person who asked brought up the question and and the the conversation of getting to church on time came up that that tends to create high levels of stress and anxiety in families is trying to get to church on time um so that happens to be something that causes some stress and anxiety in our household to be completely honest and I like to sit on the cushion seats, which are more towards the front, which would mean that you have to get there before. Or you starts. have
0: to someone get there and save the seats <laughs> for you. <laughs> you right. could pay them. That'd be getting creative.
1: <laughs> um, so this, this last week, um, my lovely husband was very intentional about not freaking out. And he stayed completely calm. We were a solid Ten minutes late. And as we're driving to church, he says, I would just like everybody to notice that I did not freak out. And we all kind of laughed. And as we got to church, um, Connor said, Well, thanks for not freaking out, Dad. And so one thing that I want to say to you parents who are listening when you don't freak out, it might be okay for you to point out to those around you that you didn't freak out in case maybe they didn't totally notice. Because we can establish those that that we are trying, that we're trying to make an effort. And as we point out where we're trying, I think that we can also point out where we see improvement in others and start to notice and see efforts that are being made by everybody involved. So, when you are making the effort and you are trying not to freak out, it's okay to maybe state that. Because it it brought up some awareness in our household and um and it was appreciated by our household. So, anyway, I just that, that's kind of a it was kind of a win for our Oh, that's yeah, a, a great one.
0: That's a great one. So every now and then you got to give yourself a pat on the back. So,
1: Yeah, yeah. So Cheers again, to Eric. <laughs> yeah. Once again, big shout out and thanks to 1-800-CONTACTS. They helped us out um, at our event. As always, they are our community sponsor and they um, they certainly help us to light the fight. So we appreciate that. Um,
0: And thanks for all the great questions we got in. If we haven't answered your question yet, stay tuned. We will soon.
1: Yeah. All right, you guys. Thanks for listening. And as always, thanks for helping us to light the fight.